0: Hey, it's Thursday night. It's just past eight. It's time for the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and
1: Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland, turning scrap metal into cash. Ronnie O is on assignment, but Coach Joe is in the house. Hey, Eric. Hey, Joe. Hey, Eric, you know what time of year it is? Christmas time, <laughs> yeah, Christmas time. Eric, you've been good and rehearsing on your computer real hard, so Santa'll bring you a new motherboard. Holy cow, <laughs>
0: that's what I want! Santa
1: Claus is coming to town. Y'all been y'all out there been good or what? Oh, that's not many. That many You guys are in trouble out there. Coach Joe, though, here in the old zone, welcoming you to our Christmas show. Without Ronnie, who is uh, he has seasonal work. Eric, uh, this is the week that he. Uh, uh, takes his place uh, as a department store Krampus, and so that's what he's in the middle of right now. But uh, we expect him back next—not next week because of New Year's and the FSU bowl game—but in a couple of weeks. So Merry Christmas, Ronnie. Actually, he is out visiting family. Now I don't need to do that because I got my family here, and I'm not just talking about my rich uncle Eric. I got my sister, Dr. Michaeline. Alex is out and about; may drop by later. She's a very busy and important person, and. For the first time in way too long, a very special guest, let's give him his theme music, The Godfather, I'm talking about. And I say he's The Godfather literally, because he is The Godfather to Alex. You know him as the fabled counselor, but I know him as The Godfather, Don Legendario Consigliere.
0: You're <laughs> killing me, Fredo.
1: Rusty Franklin. Guest co hosting tonight in the Ozone.
0: Hey, I'm, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? <laughs>
1: hey, if you want to talk to Rusty and me and Dr. Michael Lean here in the Ozone and wish us a Merry Christmas or talk sports, 682 1430. We're going to be talking about, we're going to have fun tonight. You know, it's going to be a great time. But before we get into the fun, we do have to. Uh, address the the bad news this week in the world of sports. Uh, Actually, a double dose of bad news. uh, It it just happened just a little while ago. Uh, It came down that uh, earlier today, Ronnie Hillman, uh, Denver Broncos running back, back when the Broncos won the Super Bowl in 2015, Super Bowl 50, he was their leading rusher. He is only 31 years of age, but he had cancer and he died today. Uh, Just 31 years old. And of course, Everybody is probably now aware of what happened two days ago with the sudden and very unexpected death of Franco Harris, the great Hall of Fame Pittsburgh running back, uh, who was 72 years of, of age, and he he died suddenly on t- uh, Tuesday, and what's ironic about that is tomorrow, December 23rd, is the 50th anniversary of what happened on December 23rd, 1972, and that, of course— was the famous Immaculate Reception? I'll set the scene for you. It's uh, Pittsburgh at, uh, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh hosting Oakland in the divisional playoff round. Playoffs, uh, playoffs. <laughs> a low-scoring game. Pittsburgh had a couple of field goals to lead six nothing in the fourth quarter. When a young quarterback was inserted by the name of Kenny Stabler for Oakland, and he ran. That's right, ran for a long touchdown <laughs> to uh, give Oakland the seemingly insurmountable seven six lead with their seconds to play. And it was 4th down and 10. The Steelers back around their own 41-yard line. Way too far for a field goal. Uh, It was desperation time. And uh, Eric dug deep into the archives and found the call from Kurt Gowdy and Aldi Rogatis, 1972. Last chance for the Steelers. Bradshaw trying to get away. And his pass is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off! Michael Harris has it! And he's over! Look! Frank O'Hara! Grabbed the ball on the deflection! Five seconds to go! He grabbed it with five seconds to go and scored! Let's watch one this again. One million the one odds on this one. Ricochet out there off of Jack Tatum and into the man of the year, Frank O'Hara's hand Here's the miracle of all miracles.
0: From out of nowhere came Franco Harris, riding a white stallion, heading up Franco's Italian
1: army, and galloping off into the sunset. I just love great announcing. <laughs> 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 it was just classic, Rusty. Do you remember remember that when it happened? I I, I was watching that day. Un- unbelievably I, enough,
0: I, I remember it pretty well. Uh, in of course, uh, Kenny Stabler, as Bear Bryant said, he's just as slippery as an old river snake. That's how he got his name. And uh, it's funny, too, that you mentioned the uh, the the uh, ball bounced off Jack Tatum. They call me assassin yeah. who uh, played with uh, Ohio State University and had a great book. Uh, that was just NFL at that time was just completely, completely off the chain.
1: It's amazing. And the NFL films uh, had a great uh, 30 minute uh, highlight uh, show about that game the following week. And the, the shots were incredible, including the one from the end zone that actually shows Harris making the, the catch uh, off uh, shoestring, shoestring catch, as they call it. And do you remember who the intended receiver was? I do not, but I can tell you where Franco matriculated. Yeah. That would be Penn State. Penn State, there that's right. <laughs> well, uh, this is not the trivia question, but we may ask a trivia question about the Immaculate Reception later today. Uh, later tonight on the sports quiz. But, for the record, it was Frenchie Fuqua who the pass was intended for, and many people thought that it actually touched Fuqua before um, and not Tatum. And, of course, under the rules at the time, you can't have one offensive player touch it and then uh, uh, immediately a second offensive player catch it. There have to be a defensive player touching it in between. That's not the rule anymore. But at the time it was, and it was a huge controversy. It still exists today, but no matter how many angles and replays, still don't know.
0: It would have taken 30 minutes or
1: 30 years <laughs> yeah, to yeah.
0: develop the film and then go do the uh, replay.
1: Yeah, well, maybe the most famous play in NFL history and one of the greatest running backs in NFL history, Franco Harris, passed away And uh, NFL is going to commemorate his achievement. That was the whole plan. In fact, they scheduled a special Saturday night game between the Raiders at the Steelers uh, the day after the 50th anniversary. That's Saturday night. But he, sadly, will have to be honored posthumously as the Steelers retire his number. Franco Harris dead at the age of 72. So uh, we're going to take a break on that note and come back with a happier note because uh, signing day uh, just came and went. And that means we're bringing in Mike Huguenin from On3.com to tell us all about it and let us know who won and who lost on the recruiting trail. Coming back with Coach Joe, the counselor, Dr. Mike Lean, on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Merry Christmas all. Hi, this is Hal Whistle, coach of the 1981 men's basketball Division II NCAA national champion, Florida
0: Southern moving mocks. You are listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone.
1: Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone tonight here on Talk Radio 96.7, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. Next Thursday evening, uh, December 29th, the Cheese It Bowl at Camping World Stadium between FSU and Oklahoma. Of course, it's an FSU game, so that means the play by play is right here on Talk Radio 96.7, WLKF. Pregame at 3.30, kickoff at 5.30, and yes, folks, that does mean no ozone next week. Sorry about that, but uh, we're going to make it up to you this week. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about college football right now uh, because um, you know today is the first day, of, or yesterday was the first day of winter, and it was also National Early Signing Day. And as winter sets in, we want to find out which teams are looking forward to spring and which teams are looking into the abyss a bleak dystopian future here to tell us from on com, Mike Huguenin. So tell us who do we like and who don't we like?
2: Yeah, the dystopian. Yeah, I, I did the, that for you, kudos, Mike. Kudos. <laughs> um, no, yeah, the early signing period uh, started yesterday. It ends tomorrow and the bulk of the top level players are now off the board, but the interesting aspect obviously is the transfer portal that has transformed recruiting, um, you know, in the the old days, 10 years ago, which coach could sign the 25 best high schoolers? These days, it's which coach signs the best high schoolers plus the guys out of the portal, and roster management has become, uh, it's becoming an art form for coaches. Um, You know, if you have 25 open scholarships, do you sign 21 high school players and 4 portal guys? Is it 16-9, 16-9, and nine. that's, that's the, what's, what's interesting about the, the coaches and their roster management. They, they all make a lot of money. They're all earning their money now uh, because of the roster management uh, situation. It, it's become more difficult. Um, I, I think the Florida schools yesterday, for the most part, did, did solid work. Uh, Florida State has done excellent work in the portal. Miami obviously had the best recruiting class among the state's Big Three, though I would argue that the top of Miami's class is carrying the bottom part of the class, which frankly isn't that impressive. Florida has to do a lot of work in the portal. Um, UCF, in its first go round, is they're obviously moving into the Big Twelve. did a Did a solid job. Uh, John Walker is a legit defensive tackle who I think is going to play a heck of a lot right away. USF still sort of uh, we're not sure what the USF class is going to be looking like when it's done because the new staff there has work to do in the portal. But, again, the early signing period is over or almost over, and now we wait for the portal guys to decide, and it will be a lot more guys going into the portal as the balls are played.
1: You mentioned uh, some of the teams. I wanted to note that uh, just a little while ago, Desmond Ricks uh, committed to not the Gators. Sorry, Gator fans, he committed to Alabama, which seems to solidify even more Alabama's rank as the number one recruiting class uh, this year. Uh, is is the uh, no end to uh, <laughs> what the what they can accumulate?
2: Yeah, I think well, you're gonna as long as Saban's there, they're going to recruit well, um, and they're going to be a ten-win team on an annual basis. They they did, they had a disappointing season this year. They won ten games, and that's that's where Alabama is as a program. You can, you know, Georgia has a chance to go back to back, and that will change the perception of their program for everybody. You know, it's it's one it's one thing to win one title and then go away. Um, but Georgia looks like they're there for the long haul. Alabama is there for the long haul. Ohio State has been good for this entire century, frankly. Michigan now is stepping up, Um, but with the move to the 12-team playoff in a couple years, there's obviously going to be other teams that get into the mix, but, yeah, as long as Saban's at Alabama, the tide is going to be uh, a force to reckon with on the field and uh, on the recruiting trail.
1: Uh, let's touch a little bit more about about Miami. Uh, on dot has them ranked third in the, in the in terms of their recruiting class. Other other uh, outlets have said Miami is a disappointment, a loser in the recruiting wars. Uh, yeah, I don't
2: I don't say anybody can say they're they're the losers. I mean, they got two of the top five offensive tackles in the nation, um, and, and both those guys are going to play next year. Um, they they did a really nice job defensively. Uh, they needed to do a good job defensively. They got two really good uh, pass rushers. Uh, one of them is from Miami. Um, they did they did well at tight end. They got a couple of receivers that can play. Um, they got a couple of corners that can play. And I think the interesting thing is almost two thirds of their or, or, of their of their recruits are Florida kids. And that's the one thing. If Miami could do. If Miami could clean up in its own backyard like they used to do when Jimmy Johnson and Butch Davis were there, they'd be, they'd be back to where they think they should be among the nation's top three or four on an annual basis. But the South Florida recruiting for Miami has dropped off precipitously. Um, the only local kid they signed who is truly elite is Reuben Bain. That's a kid from Miami Central. Um, they didn't really do all that well. Um, they didn't sign another top 30 player in the state from South Florida. And that's, you know, that's mind-blowing. Florida didn't sign a top 20 kid from the state, which is not good. Um, and F- Florida State's recruiting class isn't any great shakes either. But, again, they're killing it in the portal. So, um, but I think Miami's, Miami's class is clearly and distinctly by far the best recruiting class in the state, though, again, The bottom part of their class has a lot of guys who really I don't think anybody thinks are going to pan out.
0: Mike, uh, looking at uh, the uh, Florida recruiting, 16 of the 22, though, came from the state of Florida, obviously not the five stars or whatever. But uh, does that show that Florida's going to be uh, more of a contender in the Sunshine State? Yeah, I I
2: think that Napier um, has sort of reconfigured the way Florida thinks about recruiting. If you could – you know, if, if you even with if let's let's I'm trying to think of what it. Florida State, Miami, and Florida all can be good at the same time. All recruiting 80% of their kids from Florida. That's how many good players are in the state. Now it's going to be interesting to see how UCF cuts into that. Um, they did they, again. They signed one of the best players from Orlando, John Walker who went to Osceola High in Kissimmee. They got a kid from St. Pete, St. Pete Lake with Isaiah Nixon, who some people think is really good, others aren't as high. But, it's it, you know, Malzahn knows about recruiting wars from his time at Auburn. But I think Napier and his staff made it an emphasis this year, especially to recruit the state of Florida. And, you know, they, 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 they tried to get some kids from Alabama, and they got one, Kelby Collins. They recruited in Texas. Um, they brought in a quarterback from California. They brought in a couple kids from Georgia. But I'm of the opinion that Florida and Florida State could it could be top ten teams annually if they just recruit the way they used to in the state. Um, the one aspect of Florida's recruiting I think that was – Uh, Shortcoming. They signed one kid out of South Florida. That's it, Andy Jean, the wide receiver from Miami Northwestern. They have to do a better job in South Florida. They did well in Jacksonville. They did well in Central Florida. Um, And they got a couple good kids from the Tampa area. But they got to do better in Miami. FSU's got to do better in South Florida. And Miami has to do better in South Florida. You know, those kids are going to Alabama. They're going to Ohio State. Um, That's got to stop.
1: One of the great talents in the state of Florida this year, Mike, is Kermani McLean, who uh, the Gators wanted, didn't get, Miami got, or did they?
2: Yeah, he hasn't signed yet. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where he does end up. Um, the, the hot name right now is, is Colorado. Um, I can understand if you're a corner wanting to play for Deion Sanders. Uh, at the same time, uh, Colorado is a bad program. Um, that is a school bereft of talent. Um, the worst team in the Big in the Pac-12 by far, and I think you can make a strong case that they're the worst team in the Power Five this year. I mean, I know Northwestern was horrendous. I think Northwestern would have beaten Colorado. Um, so Dion's got a lot of work to do. Obviously, he is a Pied Piper of sorts. Added, the kids out of the transfer portal—they're uh, going to they're do well out of the portal. Uh, and if they can sign McLean, that would be a, a, a coup for Dion. But it's yeah, it's becoming increasingly obvious that. Um, I, I don't think he's going to Miami. I, I think he's going to end up somewhere else, whether that's Alabama or, or, or Colorado's to be seen.
0: Mike, are they going to be passing around parachutes in College Station for Texas A&M going from first to 15th in one year?
2: Well, I think the interesting thing about them, they also lost, I believe it's 24 guys to the portal. Um, the, 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 there's still a ton of talent in College Station problem is I don't know if they have a quarterback. And, you know, Connor Wigman, they liked him this year. He did start a couple games late. He missed the Florida game, and then Florida beat him quite easily without Wigman. So I think Fisher's under a tremendous amount of pressure going into next season. I still think he's going to hire a new offensive coordinator. And I think it was so, sort of, uh, I don't know the word, I know, I'll use the word ironic. Uh, teams were taking shots at Texas A&M last year for the way they recruited and Jimbo took some shots at other schools yesterday for the way they recruited. So um, the chickens have come home to roost in a way, but there is no doubt that they have a really solid two-deep at Texas A&M with questions about the quarterback. But their depth, they have some – again, they they, they lost – going by the portal, going by early defections to the NFL, um, about a third of their roster is gone. So there's some work to do to rebuild that roster, and frankly, for Fisher to rebuild some trust among A&M supporters, um, you know the, the, the buyout is enormous. It will be enormous next year as well. But if he has another losing record, they will buy him out.
1: You know, their arch rivals of Texas A&M, of course, the University of Texas, they did get the quarterback, Arch Manning, and they had a pretty good class. Are they on their way to being the best team in Texas once they join the SEC? You know, t-
2: Texas, even you know, even when they had Tom Herman as coach, even when they had Charlie Strong as coach, they still recruited relatively well. Um, the problem has been that once they got them on campus, they did not develop them all that well. Um, and for all the talent Texas had this year, I think you can argue that they underachieved. They should have had at least one more win, maybe two. Um, the quarterback situation there is extremely interesting. Quinn Ewers, um, the former five-star guy who went to Ohio State and then transferred back. Um, he, you know, he, he skipped his senior year of high school, so this should have been his true freshman season. He's a, still a relatively young guy, and but I, I don't think there's any doubt, but that Arch Manning was brought in with the idea that he knows it. I'm going to sit for a year, and then in 2024 is when I fully expect to contend for the job. Um, the surrounding talent should be there. Um, you know, Sarkeesian knows what he's doing on the recruiting trail. He worked under Saban. He did a good job recruiting when he was at USC. He did a good job recruiting when he was at Washington. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle things when they move to the SEC. But there's going to be talent there when they move to the SEC, no question.
1: Well, the the University of Tennessee uh, in the SEC lost their offensive coordinator who went uh, down to USF and is coaching there now. And they were ranked 12th in the rankings of the recruiting uh, is, have they did they peak? Is, are they gonna flash in the pan or are they uh, they're getting the best one of the best quarterbacks available in recruiting? Are they but without their offensive coordinator, even though they have Josh Heupel, or have we seen the best that they have?
2: That, that's yeah, that's, that, that is a long haul question. Um, it is Hypel's offense though Alex Golish did call the place. Um, defensively, they weren't very good this year. Um, and their recruiting class, I think was mildly disappointing considering the season they were coming off of. Um, and also, the, the 2021 season, you saw, hey, this, this offense is really good. Um, I'm surprised they didn't get more skill position players. Now, the I'm a leave kid is a really high-level quarterback, but I don't think any SEC coach wants to go into a season counting on a true freshman quarterback. Um, and by all accounts, what I've been told is, okay, we're, we're fine with running out Joe Milton as our starting quarterback next season. Um, I'm not buying that because I've seen Joe Milton play at two different schools, and he has not performed up to expectations at either one of them. Now, he is further along. He's been in that offense for three years uh, at Tennessee, and maybe he's sort of a stopgap. They can start I'm a Leva late in the season. But yeah, for a team that looked like it was going to be a playoff team this year, I cannot fathom them being a playoff team next year with and Hooker gone, with Jalen Hyatt almost certainly gone. Um, I think Tennessee is going to take a step back next year.
1: Mike, we really appreciate you joining us here in the Ozone tonight. Uh, I, want, I want to ask you one last question. Uh, it's about the fact this is now we've been doing this uh, this way for a few years with an early signing day and then a regular signing day back in its normal February period. But now with the portal and all the changes, uh, looking ahead to the way recruiting and the calendar goes, is is the early signing day outlived its usefulness or is the later signing day outlived its usefulness? What What's the future looking like for how this structure is? I think if this?
2: you ask the coaches, the, the idea that the portal is in full swing right now, uh, where you're prepping for a bowl game, and you're also having to finalize your class. I think there is a renewed call among uh, among folks in the personnel departments of college football, not just coaches, but the administrators, personnel directors, that, you know, if we're going to have an early signing period, let's really have an early signing period. Let's have it in August. Before, there's enough kids that, that know where they want to go uh, before they start their senior year, and... Some kids like the spotlight. I would argue the vast majority don't like the recruiting process. They like taking their trips and all that kind of stuff, but if they could get it over with in August, that would be fine. But you're right, the idea that, okay, the transfer portal opens a week after the conference championship games, and then two weeks later comes the early signing period, smack in the middle of bowl prep, and then six weeks later comes the regular signing day, Yes, the calendar will change. The question is, will it change in the next two or three years, or will it take four or five? But I fully expect an early signing period in August at some point in the next
1: decade. It's called On3.com, O-N, the number three, dot com. It is the source of information if you want to know about recruiting. And we've been talking to Mike and the national executive editor and college sports writer, and really one of the best... Merry Christmas Mike and happy New Year thanks so Merry much Christmas for joining to you guys us. as
2: well thanks always enjoy being on Joe thanks man
1: thanks Mike talk to you soon buddy Bye. that's Mike yougenin and on com it's an amazing amazing site just uh it, it people nowadays especially Rusty with, with recruiting you have to uh, really stay in touch with it because it, it's ongoing more they were ta- there were uh, commitments being made in the summer and stuff Mike talked about a potential August early signing date it used to be that only right before between January and February right after the bowls ended and, and right before Valentine's Day is the only time that recruiting really was the thing to talk about except for the very except for the ones who are the most into it you know the real recruiting uh, gurus as it were but now it's it's almost all year round isn't it
0: it is it has changed so much over the last even five years but it, it's
1: just going to be interesting to see how things play out next year. Yeah, it will. It will. I think. uh, I think the Gators did okay with recruiting. I know there. A lot of times at this time of year, (laughs) you know, it's almost like Christmas morning where some kids are worried too much about what they didn't get instead of looking at all the great presents that they did get. (laughs) Sure, sure. But I I think uh, you know, time will tell on that. But they did get a big time quarterback, and and as much as anything, that helps your overall class. And they they needed to build the defense, and I think they did that as well. You know. uh, uh, th- anybody who suffered through that bowl game and watched it on tv deserves a medal but you know who deserves special accolades is our friend the counselor here you actually went out to las vegas and saw the gators in the las vegas bowl fever, <laughs> las Vegas. yeah they they uh, they took a beating from oregon state with a, a 30 to 3 only scoring at the very end to keep their uh, streak alive of scoring in games blue. Blue. now to 436 i remember the last time they were shot out was 1988 against auburn at homecoming game of all things 16 to nothing but that 88 team was pretty bad so that's how far back you have to go the last time they were shut out but it, you know it was worth it anyway rusty wasn't it because i got to tell you folks we're going to ask rusty about this right now uh, he and his wife uh, they they love each other very much and when they're out at vegas they did something very 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 special and romantic and i got to tell you um he, they put video of it online, and, you uh, know, that, that was especially great. It's great watching. But hey, 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 get your minds out of the gutter. It's not like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, t- tell us all about what, what you and Sharon did in Las Vegas. Tell you Lagos. what,
0: Joe, what, aren't we up against a break? I mean,
1: <laughs> is it, is it break time? No, we we, we we got rid of Kim Commando tonight just so we could talk talk ah. about this story. Hey, if you don't want to. No, no, no. It was amazing, though. It
0: was beautiful um, after um, all these years. uh. Had to surprise her, and uh, we renewed our vows at the uh, best little chapel in Vegas with uh, Elvis Presley as the officiant. So it was. Uh, he uh, finished up with "Viva Las Vegas" and uh, the Hawaiian wedding song. I, I wanted to play "Jailhouse Rock" for me, <laughs> but he wouldn't do that uh, anyway. But it was just a, a grand, grand time. Vegas is an incredible town. The Allegiant Stadium is just again a testament as to how much money. <laughs> we're seeing in the NFL, uh, the Raider, the, the the Las Vegas community has embraced the Raiders like nobody's business. Uh, it's really good now, too, to get to draw teams out there to come see them play in, in Vegas. Uh, uh, the Patriots were there the Sunday after we left on uh, after the Saturday game with the Gators and the uh, Beavers. And, you know, it's, it's they just are crazy about uh, about the Raiders out there.
1: Yeah, you know the, the even more so now after the ending of that Patriots game. Uh, Doctor Michael, did you see the ending of that game? I don't know if you, you, you didn't. Didn't did I it?
3: certainly heard about it. But yeah, it's a bit confused of what happened. Well, well, apparently, it was a big boo boo on Bill Belichick's team's part. <laughs>
1: hey, he's got to be mad. It, it's um, his great wide receiver Myers who made the mistake it's it, Leonard Mars it was interesting you know, I happened to thanks thanks to the magic of NFL Red Zone channel I happen to get to see this as it happened <laughs> and it, uh, you know it's it, on the 50th anniversary of the of the Immaculate Reception it's amazing that this ending is almost even crazier uh, what happened was uh, it was the tie game the uh, Patriots had the ball and there was three seconds to go time for just one more play. And maybe they try Hail Mary, maybe they don't. They're too far away for a field goal around midfield. And they decide not to go for the Hail Mary just to do a handoff, and, uh, and you know, the clock's going to run out. And it does run out. Of course, the Raiders are in a big prevent defense against the Hail Mary, so there's a big room for the running back, and he gets all the way down to the, the 30-yard line. But the crowd of Raiders are converging on him, and he's not going to go much farther. So he laterals it to Myers— the receiver standing on the far sideline, a few feet away, and he has nowhere to run forward, so he runs backwards about ten yards, and from the sideline heaves it across the back towards the middle of the field to where the quarterback was standing at the his own forty yard line where he'd handed the ball off to begin with. Unfortunately, so was a linebacker. <laughs> the pass was intercepted, and the quarterback Mac Jones, trying to make the tackle, got absolutely stuffed by a stiff arm and uh, touchdown Raiders. Game over instead of overtime. I, yeah, we see bizarre innings all the time. Great, Rusty, great, Ever- great,
0: fantastic finishes over the last few weeks. You had the Dolphins and the in the Bills, and of course you had the box who folded uh, oh, the tent. But anyway, it's it's nice to see uh, those those uh, exciting finishes. And
1: I know we've got to talk about a little bit of the World Cup too, Coach Joe. Oh man, you talk about an exciting finish! Uh, you didn't get to see that though, because you were flying all night. No, right?
0: I, I I got home in time, but uh, I was just had too much jet lag to really pay attention and focus on the game. I did I did see the PKs at the end. Uh, big big uh, rooting for France, uh, but uh, you've just got to Argentina. There, there, there is so it, it's it kind of reminds me of how. National championships in football and basketball are for colleges, but you take it and you've got to turn it up even another level when it goes international with the World Cup, both men and women. Soccer is just an incredible passion internationally.
1: It really is. It's uh, it's like March Madness, the World Cup, in a way. And and I sort of actually like the fact that there's some group play before they get to the elimination rounds. Uh, I almost wonder if there's a way to do March Madness in a similar fashion where you have some group play and then get into the knockout stage. That would be kind of cool. But the passion is off the charts, and especially at a place like Argentina. There were people who traveled, you know, the games were in Qatar, and there were people who traveled from Argentina to see them in Qatar, and especially when they made the final. And these are, you know, it's a country that's had a lot of economic problems, and people basically were spending their entire life savings just to travel to Qatar, just to watch the game live and to pray and hope that their hero, Lionel Messi, would get that elusive World Cup you know Messi's won everything there is to win he scored uh, just more goals than just about anybody ever in the history of the world in soccer but World Cups are a little bit trickier because they're only every four years and you got to have a good team Uh, and uh, you got to have be kind of lucky he had made the final one other time but they in 2014 but they lost to Germany in a very close game that one went extra time as well and uh, it it was an rusty. I don't know uh, uh, what everybody else thinks, but of all the games I've watched this year, that not only is that the best game of the year. I mean, by far, th- this final. It was one of the best games I've ever seen in any sport. Period. And uh, if you want to join in this conversation? Six eight two fourteen thirty six eight two fourteen thirty. If you want to talk about great games that you watched on TV or, or, or attended or ever saw. But that World Cup, it was Argentina against France uh, last Sunday. It was uh, uh, three to three when they went to penalty kicks. It was two to two after regulation. Argentina had taken a two nothing halftime lead. We're cruising when Kylian Mbappe, who's the big, who's the star now? If Messi is the greatest of all time, the, the greatest player right now is Kylian Mbappe. For for those of you who don't follow soccer a lot, think of it as like a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl when Tom Brady went up against Patrick Mahomes. You had the greatest of all time against the greatest quarterback currently. and how Now, that game didn't turn out to be that close. But in this game, both Messi, who scored a goal, actually scored twice, and uh, Mbappe, who scored three times in the game, Put on a show for the ages, like nothing I've ever seen. Uh, Dr. Mike Lean and I watched the game at the Ale House, and it was pretty spectacular, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, the the tension that that uh, built up through the game and the scoring in the overtime was particularly impressive. That brought the tie. Oh yeah, and then sent them into the penalty kick phase, and then the penalty kicks. Th- that's something very interesting that you don't see in American football, which is a basically at that point it becomes one on one the kicker against the goalie uh and that is really a you know hold your breath kind of of competition there so yeah I see in morocco uh,
0: you know the, it, it, it's a testament again to the international scope now that you're seeing in yeah. in in football soccer of course it's, we call it uh, soccer of course but <laughs> Everywhere
1: else, it's football. It's a great commercial with uh, Peyton Manning and David Beckham arguing about whether to call it soccer or football. (laughs) It was on throughout the World Cup. It was a lot of fun to watch that. Uh, Yeah, David Beckham now owns Inter Miami. And there was some hope that maybe Lionel Messi would, you know, now that he's getting a little bit older, would leave Paris Saint Germain and and sign with Inter Miami and, you know, play around here, which would be pretty awesome. Uh, Unfortunately, it looks like PSG is going to re sign him for lots and lots of millions of euros or dollars or whatever but but maybe someday maybe in another year or two you never know um, with that a lot of the great players who've pl- played most of their lives in europe where the where the top soccer players generally play uh have come and played at mls including gareth bale who put on such a, a, a extraordinarily great show for the lafc fans as he helped them win a championship in mls a few weeks ago and i thought that was a great game too hey russell what's the best game you've seen this year of any sport.
0: Um, I, I would have to say it, w- it would definitely have to be that World Cup final. I mean, mm. you know, it was just, again, it, tension going back and forth. Um, a, a, amazing amount of passion on both sides. Uh, you know, and, and again, it's, it's something that's kind of foreign to most of us, but it was uh, a, definitely an interesting run.
1: Yeah, I, you know, hopefully, uh, with the Americans uh, having an improving team, uh, people more people watch it. I know they put on, uh, they had it uh, a real good setup at the Ale House. I watched many many games there over the last few weeks. Uh, they they'd always have the sound on for whatever game was on in the World Cup, and they had great specials there during the World Cup because their food there is, is terrific. And uh, we're gonna, <clears throat> you know, have to set, spend a special shout out to Jorge Barroa, who uh, manages the Ale House at 5650 South Florida Avenue. He uh, opened early the last the last couple of weekends. Oh, an hour early. They usually open at 11. He was opening at 10 uh, it, but because that was the start of the, of the kickoffs for many of the early games during the knockout phase. And it was just tremendous. So the finals started at 10 a.m., and we were there for it, and he went off the menu and made us a special breakfast. It was something, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yes, he made breakfast burritos, which are not on the menu, I wish they were. I'm trying to convince Jorge to put them on the alehouse menu. For those of you who want to get to the alehouse for 1 o'clock games, they would be the perfect menu item. But unfortunately, right now, they're not on the menu.
1: <laughs> no, and they're going back to opening at 11. But uh, a special note, though, actually— uh, you know, talking about pro football. And uh, I want to point out that the Bucks are playing on Sunday, on Christmas Day night. They're playing against Arizona. They're at, out there in Glendale. The kickoff is at 8.20, and the pregame is at 7 o'clock. That's Christmas night, the 25th, this Sunday. It will be on uh, 96.7 WLKF here, so if you want to listen to that game. And uh, since we are preempted next week, let me point out that there are Next game is also on the holiday. It's Sunday, January first. Now that's a one o'clock start. That's the normal Sunday NFL time. Uh, Twelve o'clock pregame, one o'clock kickoff. Also on Talk Radio ninety six point seven WLKF. But this week, folks, if you want to see most of the NFL games, they're on me on Saturday. Think of Saturday as a normal M- NFL Sunday this week. So keep that in mind when you're planning your next trip to the alehouse, and maybe you can take thirty dollars with you. I don't know. We'll find out because we're going to give away thirty dollars to Lakeland Alehouse. Right after the break, here in the Ozone, Coach Joe, the Counselor, Dr. Mike Lean. We're celebrating Christmas early on Talk Radio 96.7, WLKF. Merry Christmas, listeners. This is Joe Bellino, the 1960 Heisman Trophy winner from the United States Naval Academy, and you are listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone, Talk Radio 96.7. It's brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. Ronnie's out. Joe is in. We're singing the praises of the Ale House, one of my favorite places to go, 5650 South Florida Avenue, with 40 strategically located TVs. Well, you know how I love to watch multiple games <laughs> and drink and meal specials every day, including Thursday's a great prime rib special there. And Christmas time. $30 to Lakeland Alehouse available if you know the answer to the sports quiz that our man, the counselor, Rusty Franklin, has it for you.
0: Yeah, Joe, Joe goes to the Alehouse and goes, swing, 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 <laughs> TV, 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 TV. Uh, no, I wanted to ask you a personal trivia question. How many games have the Buccaneers played on Christmas Day?
1: Oh, it's uh, not that many, not that many. According to, uh, I'm going to guess zero? <laughs> Goose eggs. This uh, this this one coming up will be their first time ever playing on wow. Christmas Day, and and they gave it a special nighttime start. Yeah, the NFL put most of their games on Saturday this year, but they did put a couple on Sunday. The Bucks, the Dolphins will be playing the Packers at one so o'clock. All right, let's get this trivia stuff.
0: question out there so we can have somebody get thirty dollars to eat and drink there at the fabulous alehouse. And here's the question: Franco Harris made an incredible catch and run to score the winning touchdown for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the thirteen-seven victory over the Oakland Raiders in the 1972 divisional playoff. Playoffs? What Playoffs. was the, What was the <laughs> name of that famous catch? And I'll give you four. The Ghost to the Post, the Sea of Hands, the Immaculate Reception, or the Holy Roller. So give us a call at 682-1430. And if we've got a winner, we'll we'll bring you on the air and have you go from there. Uh, one last thing, though, I want to make a very brief shout-out. Uh I heard that uh, promo by Hal Whistle of the Florida Southern Moving Mox 1981 National Championship. My father-in-law, Bob Kelly, great broadcaster in Polk County history, called that game with uh, Bob Mack here at uh, WQPD, 1430. He was the owner of the station at that time. And Bob Kelly is now 84 years young. <laughs> happy birthday and happy going there, Big Bob Kelly. And uh we,
1: where, where does the time go? Exactly. I mean, man.
0: Exactly. And you know, still still got it. Still uh he could he could still call a game like nobody's business.
1: Uh amazing stuff. And uh, you know, it's December. It's also a special time of year. Happy birthday to you last week. Uh yeah, I know you and Sharon, it was her birthday as well. We went out to Vegas and celebrated out there. I hope it was a great time, man. Big six zero. So yeah, we uh we made it through. <laughs> We, we made it through just fine. So, is there, we're, hey, Eric, we got somebody ready to win this uh, sports quiz? Craig. Greg, how you doing, man? Is it Craig or Craig? Oh, I lost, lost him, Eric. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're so close to winning, too. <laughs> but uh, we'll get Call you back. Call us
0: back, Greg or Craig, whoever <laughs> you are.
1: Yeah, yeah. The A the, the, uh, little technical glitch there as Eric is working with the phones with both hands. But Wayne got through. Wayne, lucky you, you made it through to the ozone. Uh, so, uh, hey. Hey, so uh, hey, how you doing? So uh, a lot of Steeler fans around here. I know when their games come on at the alehouse, there's always a, a large flock of them. are you Are you a Steeler fan, Wayne?
2: Uh, not really. Back in the day, I think they were, uh,
1: they were fun to watch.
0: They always they, were, uh, they always had quite a, a
1: crew back in the 70s.
0: They always had a big following at the Lakeland Hooters. Uh, the the Steelers always had their clubs and and meeting there.
1: Yeah, before there was an alehouse, up was the best place to watch uh, watch a game. But let's uh, let's see if Wayne knows the answer. Franco Harris was pretty fun to watch. Uh, and that great that was a great play fifty years ago tomorrow, and get its own nickname. Do you know what it is? I think it was the immaculate reception. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> good job, good job, Wayne. You know uh, those other uh, those other names that we put out there weren't made up. They were actually uh, also famous plays. And you know the the Oakland Raiders were involved in every single one of those. <laughs> and uh, Ken Stabler was in each of those games as well. But uh, I'm going to give you. I'm going to hand you over to uh, uh, Eric in just a second, Wayne. Congratulations. You got special Christmas plans?
2: uh. We're going to stay in town and uh, get the fireplace uh,
1: fixed up. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> I think it's going to be a little nippy. <laughs> it's going to be just a little bit chilly. Just a little bit chilly. <laughs> well, for Saturday, uh, you know, and uh, it is a big NFL day. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Lakeland Ale House will be a great time to enjoy it. You can start using their $30 as early as tomorrow. You have 30 days to use it. Eric is going to give you all the instructions for how to claim the prize. Okay. So do not hang up. Uh, but Rusty and I got to go end the show here. Well, I'm going to hand you over to Eric. And Congratulations, Wayne. All right.
2: Appreciate it, guys.
1: Hey, thank you. Wayne's a big winner tonight. Hey, I'm the big winner because I got to hang out with my pal, the counselor, Rusty Franklin. I hey. wish, wish we had more time. Man. Yeah, we got the
0: Charlie Brown Christmas theme, though. Uh, Vince Guaraldi and uh, <laughs> Charles Schultz. This is coming up on 50. Uh, now, Apple has bought the rights to Charlie Brown Christmas. So not going to be able to see it uh, on free TV anymore.
1: Yeah, hopefully without commercials though, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Mike Lean. Looking forward to Christmas time. We're gonna hang out and watch some football, oh, I suspect. It's a big <laughs>
3: weekend on the NFL, that's yeah. for
1: sure. All right, we're off next week. Ronnie's back in two weeks, I'm back in three.